Gobble gobble bitches, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving yesterday. And in honor of the holidays, we're gonna keep this episode a little bit lighter because I know the last couple of was heavy. I have so many things I wanna talk about. But first, I have been getting a lot of questions as to whether or not Pizza Daddy is still in the picture. And the update is he is not. So the way I'm approaching this, since I am actively dating and talking about my dating life on a podcast, is I only talk about people with their nicknames. I only talk about people generally who are no longer in the picture and three who have given me their consent. Now, I did tell that story or record that episode before he and I were no longer a thing, but he did give me the consent to tell the pizza story. So that's how I'm approaching this. It's gonna be an interesting ride for sure. It's already like a weird little line that's probably will impact my dating future, but it's fine because you know what? We're just out here having a good time, meeting people, seeing who connects, So that is the update on Pizza Daddy. Now, the other thing I feel like we would be really remiss if we did not dive into today is my latest obsession, my my Roman empire, if you will. And it'll come as no surprise that as a millennial white woman, it is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And I wanted to dive into like, why? Okay, so I didn't really get into T-Swift until 1989 originally came out. And I never really followed the lore or who each album was about. I really could give a fuck. I just liked her. I just liked 1989 the album and then continued to listen to her albums going forward. Still not a huge fan of the earlier stuff. I won't lie to you. Come at me. But like, I still consider myself a Swifty. Now I'm fully up to date because the all two Taylors version had me down a rabbit hole and had a for sure chokehold on me. The video for that was just bananas. But that being said, I've been listening to T-Swift regularly. And then Travis Kelsey came on everybody's radar during the Super Bowl when he and his brother played. Now, I have been a little more into Jason Kelsey. I will not lie to you. Jason is more my type. Okay. But I've been following them on TikTok for a minute before this started. And I just think they're hysterical. I just really enjoy both of their personalities. A plus job to the Kelsey parents. But I want to talk a little bit about their relationship, why we are so invested in it. And then then we'll talk a little bit about some holiday stuff, how to navigate the holidays being single and all that jazz. So diving into Taylor and Trav, it gives major Barbie and Ken energy. Let's be real. Like it gives major Barbie and Ken energy. And I think the biggest thing outside of the fact that she's never dated an athlete before, it's always been like theater kids or musicians or actors or whatever you want to call them, is that I feel like this is the first guy that we know about, right? Because not I don't think every single one of her dating excursions has been publicized, nor should it, right? This is the first guy who I feel like is not threatened by her success. You show me a man who is not threatened by a woman who is breaking all of the records, playing to sold out stadiums multiple nights in a row, and is not threatened by that. Yeah, he's successful in his own career in football with his podcast. He had a reality daving show. Cool. But she's next level. And the difference in her previous relationships showing up at 
her tours and their reaction and the way they watched her were completely different than the way Travis showed up, right? And I think the big thing is the trend that we're seeing overall, even in the rise of what's popular on book talk, right, is the man who is like the big scary man who will hit some people. So he football, he hits people all day, but he also is like a really big softy and he's not afraid to let that show. Like he's so secure in himself that he is just like, he's totally fine admitting that he made her a friendship bracelet with his phone number and he wanted to give it to her, but didn't get a chance. Now I've seen some conspiracy theories about that, but we're not going to go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole of when they started dating and all of that. I just want to talk about the general dynamics and the phenomenon that is currently sweeping the US and honestly the globe. So we see this rise because like you, you see the popularity of the rise of Akatar, the book series, the rise of other series, Fourth Wing, all of the men, and I'm going to try to say this without spoilers, but all of the protagonist males are all very strong masculine men warriors who are okay with being soft, okay with showing emotion, okay with being vulnerable. They're just secure in themselves. And I think that's a big shift. And I think it also shows we see them out and like the body language and things like that. There's a security there. There is a confidence there. And even the video where she runs into his arms after the the video is had on me, you guys. Absolute chokehold. The number of times I watched that video. But the way he stood there with his arms behind his back and let her decide how public they were going to be was amazing. He is truly just enjoying herself. She's enjoying herself. I'm enjoying myself watching it. And I think part of it, so there's a couple of things that I think play into this, right? One, there are they're going to be our royal couple. Let's face it. They're going to be our royal couple. It's the rise of book talk and like that level of like romanticism, especially in those who identify as female, like who are reading those books. I think it's a shift in our culture that we want to see not only are women choosing to stay single instead of settling, like they are shifting what our priorities are as far as what we're looking for. Most of us, I can't speak for everybody, honestly, but the people that I do know and that I do talk to, we are looking for somebody who makes us feel safe, who is confident enough in themselves to not be intimidated by somebody who's successful or I've been on my own single most of my adult life and being with somebody who is comfortable letting me have my space, but also making me feel safe and secure in that, like where you never have to wonder what it is they are thinking or what it, where it is they stand. I was reading a couple of articles about this, but if you're, if we're always wondering how our partner feels about us or whoever we're dating feels about us, that's not okay. Now, obviously you're not going to know right off the bat. You're not going to know within a couple of dates. But this is where that kind of, if they want to, they will comes in. And I think that it's a testament to like our values. Like we are shifting away from toxic masculinity towards emotional intelligence. And I recently saw that Travis just did an in-depth interview, exclusive interview with the Wall Street Journal magazine, WSJ magazine, about his life, about Taylor, how they met, how they dated and things. And it was just really eye-opening as to he is still not used to the paparazzi. He is still 
not used to all of the things that come along with dating Taylor Swift, but he is so enamored by her and like fangirls over her in such a way that he's, yeah, I'll deal with it. I'm learning to cope and it's great. And they're learning to find a way through that together. And it's not just about how Travis is towards Taylor, which is why like we're obsessed with it. A lot of us, we've, I'm in my mid, I'm in my late thirties. So I didn't technically grow up with Taylor Swift, but I always had an awareness of her. I always knew who she was dating, that sort of thing. Like she was in the sphere. And now I think a lot of us in our late 30s and early 40s, especially those of us who have been single for a minute, know what it's like to know what you want now and not what you don't want and not fucking settling. And you can see, like, I think she's in her 30s now. She's older. She's killing the fucking game. She is a brilliant businesswoman, let alone performing artist. But she is no longer settling for anybody who makes her feel less than or they need to hide the fact that they are with her. And I especially identify with that as a curvy girl. And I'm sure we'll do an episode on that at some point. But there's a big, like the way it feels when somebody doesn't want to be caught in public with you. And I know it's on a whole next level. Paparazzi is crazy. But like the way that she would run to the car with a hoodie over her face. It was just, there was no connection. There was no handholding, like none of it. It was just, it was like, it would make you start to question, even as Taylor Swift, do you even want to be seen with me? Do you want, at a certain point, like how often did we see her and Joe and they dated for six years? Given some of that was panorama, but still. So anyways, that that's my take on Taylor and Travis is I think that they both really see each other from what I can tell. Obviously, I have no idea. But I think that they both really see each other and appreciate each other. And I think that they push each other to be better while loving them exactly where they are. Like we talked about with Olivia last week, like you just want to be seen and we're not going to settle anymore. Our bullshit meter is off the charts. And when I say wait, I don't mean sit at home and wait, right? If you're choosing to be single right now, great. Honestly, I've cleared the roster. We're probably going to be flying solo through the holidays because like I said before, cuffing season just ain't it, babe. I've cleared the roster except for one, but We've been talking for a really long time and we've never actually met. So who knows? Anyways, it's besides the point. If you're choosing to be single, that's great. Live your life. Do what you want to do. More power to you. If you are looking for a partner, if you are looking for somebody to share your life with, waiting doesn't necessarily mean sitting at home and waiting for them to come to you, right? Sadly, we don't meet people IRL anymore for the most part. It's going on dates, meeting people and knowing and being secure enough in yourself and where you're at to know that not everything is going to work out. And that's not a reflection of you. You have to meet a bunch of people to figure out what works and what doesn't. And not every person you match with on whatever app you choose is going to be somebody that you go on multiple dates with. And honestly, like, really checking your preconceived notions and like the image that you've built up of that person in your head before you meet is really important because if you go in with all of these expectations, more than likely you're going to get disappointed. And also if you go in with all of these expectations and then the first date is meh and you don't ever see that person again, 
it's really easy to like internalize and spiral when it's so important to remember that like first dates are just that first dates. You may or may not ever see this human being ever again. And that's okay. Like it's okay. So anyway, so, and one of the things like that was also funny that I've come, another like reason that I've come across in my research for this episode is that there is a lack of rom-coms. The rom-coms as we used to know them, I'm talking old school, The Wedding Planner, Runaway Bride, When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Me, like all of those Meg Ryan ones, obviously. But I can't not think about the ums right now. Romantic comedies as we really used to know them are not really being produced. If they, the Hallmark Channel is trying to fill the void, but I know, I know I'm going to get hate with for this, but I hate a Hallmark movie. I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Sarah, my podcast manager, she loves them, loves them. And that's great. Good for her. So many of my old roommates have loved them. And I just, they're not my jam. They're predictable. They're corny. They're not real life. Not that rom-coms ever are, but these are to a whole other level. At least there are some real comedic moments in the old rom-coms. But it's people are saying that it's filling that void for us where we're not getting a rom-com major motion picture. We're getting superhero. We did get Barbie, but that's not a rom-com. We're getting Oppenheimer, Marvel movies, whatever. Like all of these big budget action movies are where what studios are pumping out, at least prior to the strike. So it's just really interesting to see how we've latched onto that in some way. Uh, there's, you know, we used to be really, there's Grey's Anatomy, there's Scandal, all of those stories, all those series that have a really intense love plot line too that we could get invested in. I feel like there's not a lot of those right now, but also I don't watch regular TV. I only stream and I have a rotation of streaming services. I could be speaking out of my ass. Let me know in the comments. I think the rise of book talk is also really, I know that most of the people that I talk about Travis and Taylor with on a regular basis are the bookish ladies I have made friends with on Instagram inadvertently over our love of certain series or certain authors or just like wanting to get back more into fiction reading and things like that. And we are obsessed with Taylor and Travis to the next level. And I think a lot of that comes from the rise of the spicy book on TikTok, the different genres of it. And I'm not talking about Ice Planet Barbarians with their blue alien craziness. I have not read that one. Or the ones that are about inanimate objects. I saw one on TikTok the other day that was somebody falling in love with their pumpkin spice latte and I wanted to cry. But people are buying it and people are reading it. Maybe I should write a book and make some dollars because clearly there's a lot of anything will fly these days. I think I've seen one that's about a door. Rabbit hole. Sorry. (laughs) But like the hockey romances that have really gone viral and honestly even caused some problems for hockey players who are doing viral videos with them. But It just shows that that is something that like we are craving and we're not getting anywhere else. Even with the launch of apps like Quinn and Dipsy, PS, if either of y'all want to sponsor, I'm here for that, where 
You've get stories being told to you or read to you that are romantic in nature. Some of them a little spastic. I just, I feel like this is filling a void that I don't know that we knew we had necessarily. I would love to hear what you think. Let me know in the comments or shoot them in my Instagram DMs. Would love to hear your feedback on this topic. Speaking of a void that we didn't know that we had, the holidays can be a really wild time. We talked about it in our cuffing season episode two. If you haven't listened, I rant about cuffing season for 20 minutes and it's honestly, I think it's hysterical, but I find myself hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, I want to talk about some of my tried and true methods for surviving the holidays single. And there are quite a few. I'm going to try to narrow it down to the most prevalent. Some of them are going to be really specific to certain situations, and some of them are going to be a little more generic. As somebody who has not had someone over the holidays since she was six, no, I broke up with him at Thanksgiving, ever. I've never had anybody over the holidays. Your girl knows what she's talking about. The first one is prioritizing self-care. Now, if you're not in therapy, go to therapy. That's going to be a big part of this because it's about building that self-awareness of what your triggers are, what helps calm you down, regulates your nervous system, but also what helps energize you or make you feel safe or whatever it is that you need and identifying those coping skills. Therapy, great. If you're not in therapy or you can't afford therapy right now, totally understand. Journal. Better help if you want to sponsor, totally down. So that's the first step, knowing what it is. The second thing is like finding, making sure that you're really setting some intentional routines and time aside for self care. So for me, sometimes that looks like a walk, sometimes it looks like a dance party to get some excess nervous energy out if I'm anxious about a situation I'm about to go into. Or sometimes after the fact, if I need it's, a really hot shower with a lavender sugar body scrub, a charcoal face mask, those types of self-care. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it is just going and sitting on my back porch in silence. Sometimes that is what I need after being overstimulated by everybody's kids and stupid questions. It is really free, like knowing what those things are and having those mechanisms in place before you need them and knowing that they're there is so helpful. And it can look like anything for you to you. It's like lighting a candle. It's reading. It's if it's moving your body, it's moving your body. Sometimes for me, it's yoga. Like my hips get real tight when I get anxious and I got to stretch that shit out. We got to move that trauma. The other side of that is, and I know this is easier said than done, but I want to make sure this is on, right? Okay. You don't have to be in places where you're uncomfortable or abused or made to feel like shit. You don't. Whether or not that is how it has always been in your life, that this is how it's just, this is just how they are. This is just how it is. You are under no obligation to put yourself into those situations. Because here's the deal. As a single person, 
you can have community. That's great. I've got a great support system. And I just want to make sure I say that before I say this, because I don't want anybody to think that I don't appreciate them or how they're there for me. But at the end of the day, when the cards are down, when Archie needs to go to the emergency vet at three o'clock in the fucking morning, the only person who can prioritize my self-care and take care of me is me. I don't have anybody else where outside of Archie who I am their priority. You know, not my mom's priority. Definitely not my biological dad's priority. I, my friends are mostly married. And while I can like support and lift up my other single friends, most of them aren't here and they can't always do the things that they can't necessarily be there to take care. And so it's really important for single people, not just women, to prioritize taking care of themselves and recognizing the situations they don't need to be in. You are under absolutely no obligation just because somebody is a family member. Just because somebody is blood related to you. You are under no obligation to spend time with that person, especially if they try to make you feel less than, if they talk shit to you, if they are manipulative, if they are abusive in any way. You get to say no thanks. If you feel like you have to go, then here's my tips. Have some fun fun comebacks in your back pocket. Reddit's great for this. TikTok's great for this. You can say some crazy shit to people and just really get them thinking. Really some good slapbacks. No, clapbacks, as the kids would say. Just be ready. Know the questions that you're going to get asked because I guarantee you it won't be the first time you've been asked them or maybe it has because it's the first time you're single a long time or whatever. Just have some clapbacks ready if you want to go the petty route. If you want to go a route that's a little less in your face petty, I saw this TikTok that was like, this is what you say. That is such a crazy thing to say to me. Why you would think that is something okay to say to me is beyond me. Or the TikTok trends where like the, they're using their preschool voices on their aunts and uncles. It's great. That's an inside thought, friend. Whatever somebody puts in their body is not your business. Which leads me to say, this is not just about relationship status. If people decide they want to make comments about your relationship status, about your parental status, about your body, how it looks, what you're putting in it, any of that, it's none of their goddamn business, hands down. And you are under no obligation to engage in those conversations. And my other thing is if you do feel like you have to go, I my personal coping mechanism is I am very blessed to have multiple nephews and a niece, a lot of kids in my family, both in Tennessee and in Florida. And I hang out with the kids, the toddlers, not because, well, I guess I am avoiding anything, but they're more fun. They bring me joy. They make me laugh. Their parents are there so that when they get into trouble, they can just go to mom or I can send them to mom. But I get to spend my holidays with laughter instead of anxiety and angst. So there's my other hot tip outside of substances. And I know that this is a lot easier said than done, though not going to your family's whatever, because I have been essentially no contact for the better part of 16, 17 years with my father, my biological father's side of the family and him. And 
I know that's a struggle and I know that there's a lot of guilt and shame and especially guilt being put on you by the other party. You're such a terrible daughter. Why don't you talk to your dad? It's First of all, it's none of their business. Your relationship with your family is your relationship with your family. The only people who know what's going on in that relationship are you and them. People from the outside don't need to fucking understand it. It's okay to go no contact if that's what you need. It's okay to spend your holidays with a group of people that you fucking choose. Who says you have to go home for the holidays? Nobody. Hallmark does, but you don't got to fucking do it. You literally don't have to, to go home for the holidays. You can go. If I had the dollars this Christmas and if it wasn't so important to my grandma that I'd be at Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'd be in fucking Scotland celebrating my holidays, maybe finding a Highlander. Who knows? It There's no rule that says that you have to go home for the holidays. And I've watched over the years my cousins and my siblings as they've gotten married and having kids really drawing some hard boundaries around what they would be participating in and what they wouldn't in the name of traditions with their own family. And just because you're not married and or don't have kids doesn't mean you can't do the same fucking thing. You get to decide what your tradition is. You get to decide how to spend your holidays. I know this really clicked for me. My grandfather died in 2018, and that was a really big thing, and I've talked about it before on the podcast. He was my jam. He was just the best, and Christmas Eve was always a really big thing in our family. On my mom's side of the family, we got together. There were so many kids. We'd open presents. We'd sing Christmas carols. Everybody got a day of the 12 days of Christmas. If you were new or getting inducted in, you got five golden rings and it was a big fucking deal. But the year that grandpa passed, Christmas Eve was obviously a lot different than what it had been in the years before. We all celebrated a little differently, but we'd still held Christmas Eve and we still try to as much as we can. But I decided that year that Christmas Day, instead of feeling like I had to go sit at my stay at my mom's house and wake up with my siblings and bonus siblings or their kids or whatever, that I was going to do what I needed to do on Christmas. I still made myself some cinnamon rolls because that was always our Christmas tradition for breakfast was cinnamon rolls. I made myself some cinnamon rolls. I sat outside because I was in Florida at the time, so it was winter and it was lovely. And I painted for the first time in years, years. I painted. I spent some time reading, taking care of myself. And I think that night I did go to my best friend's house for Christmas dinner, but it was really nice to start that as my own Christmas tradition. For me now, my Christmas mornings, no matter where I am, are sacred to me. I take them slow. I spend them doing what I want. I spend, I do a lot of gratitude practices and things of that nature. And then I spend it doing something that I really love, but I don't always have the time for. I don't always think about doing because there's always something else that could be done. So whether it's painting or whatnot, but that's become my personal tradition. Feel free to steal it. If you've got others, please share them on Instagram 
in the Facebook group, like wherever, which by the way, guys, Facebook group is live, Ditch the Ick. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes so you guys can join that. It's a free community. We're just going to shoot the shit, share horror stories, maybe make some friends IRL. Who knows? And then the other thing is making time for people because it is important not to sequester yourself in your apartment, even if you're an introvert. But doing that on your terms. For me, that looks like having a group of girlfriends over for wine and crochet and charcuterie. I continue to do the things that I look forward to, like my weekly spooch, spooky movie night with my cousins. We continue that through the holidays because it's something we all look forward to and it's something I enjoy. And it gets me out of my house and out of my head and around people who truly I can be my full authentic self with and have a good time. And like we just see, like we just get each other and it's great. No is a full sentence. Whether it's family or somebody else, you are under no obligation to do anything with anybody you don't want to do. If they come at you and they're like, what else are you doing with your time? You're not married. You don't have kids. What's going on? What I do with my time is my business, bitch. I get to choose how I spend it and I am choosing not to spend it doing X, Y, Z. But thank you so much for the invitation. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to tell them what you're doing instead. It is literally none of their business. No is a full sentence because once again, nobody is going to prioritize your time but you. And I think I struggled with this a lot, especially when it came to going to things and stuff like that because it's selfish. I was raised to think that thinking of yourself at all was extremely selfish and obviously going to hell. But it's not. It's a necessity because if you don't, it's, I hate this cliche, but if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you can't help any fucking buddy else. You can't. So it's up to you to choose how you spend your time, to manage your time, and to know when to say no and to know that no is enough. So yeah, so my hot tips, self-care, no obligation to spend time with family. Feel free to go no contact if that's what feels good to you. Comebacks. Have those comebacks handy, ready if you feel like you need to go. Have an exit strategy. Hang out with the kids. Do Find a way to survive. No means no. And continue to do those things that bring you joy on a daily basis. So that's how I've survived 36 years of single holiday seasons. I think the closest I've come to having somebody is like a Thanksgiving. I think I had my high school boyfriend to Thanksgiving my senior year. But that was it. I think we broke up like right after I was like, eh. anyways, that's it. I hope you guys had a wonderful turkey day. I hope you don't go to Black Friday. It's garbage. It just feeds into the machine. That's a whole other episode, but have a great holiday. Next week, we are going to be chatting with a- another single lady. She is a seven figure entrepreneur. She runs two major businesses recently back in the dating pool. And we talk all things X apps and her tips and tricks and what she's found true as somebody re-entering the dating world at the age of 40. So you'll want to stay tuned for that next week and we'll see you next time.